You're listening to Resurrection Life Podcast with your hosts, Father Steve Matson and Richard Budd, the podcast of the Church of the Resurrection in Lansing, Michigan. In today's episode, we talk about the universal destination of goods. We hear a reflection on humility, and we listen to a song played and sung by Bloomfield Bluegrass, River Jordan. Welcome to Resurrection Life Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Resurrection Life Podcast. This is your host, Richard Budd, and with me as always... Father Steve. How's it going, Father? It's going well. Yeah, we're, uh, we've begun the, the holy discipline of Lent when we're recording, and uh, this is Friday of the uh, after Ash Wednesday, before the first week of, of Lent. And, the first uh, Friday. The first Friday, that's right. So I suspect some of you will be going out this evening, not when you hear this, but to go to a fish fry and to feed heavily. (laughs) We don't have a fish fry at at Resurrection. I'm not criticizing us or anybody else. I'm just saying uh, there's something problematic about filling your face with... uh, Or going out for lobster. That's right. (laughs) It's not really in the spirit of things. Um, I was just mentioning before we started that uh, the Halo app has this 40-day challenge where... Um, you know, and they've got access to different people like uh, Jim Caviezel and Mark Wahlberg and these these sorts of per- people. Um, but every day during Lent, they're doing readings from the Imitation of Christ. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. So the first week is like they're going to choose like different themes for the different weeks, and this week has been about humility. Um, and so there's been uh, some readings in the Imitations of Christ um, about humility that are kind of were like oh. <laughs> no, he he, he is uh, he's rude. He's rude. <laughs> <laughs> he just goes right to the point. I didn't know this, but the Imitation of Christ is the second most popular or sold book behind the Bible in the history of Christianity. Well, it, it makes sense to me. I was given it uh, by you know I graduated from Lansing Christian, and one of the teachers there who was a Protestant, gave me the imitation of Christ. That was my first introduction. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a great, great gift to me. And, and I was Catholic at the time and uh, really found it challenging. Yeah. Yeah, I've only read certain sections. I haven't gotten all the way through it. Yeah. But there are... Um, and it's not like, a, you know, people often kind of moan about quote-unquote Catholic guilt. I just think it's regular guilt. Um, but... Yeah. It's a, it has a way of kind of like getting to the heart of things without making you feel like crummy well, or beaten and, down. And I, th- I think what you know what we call Catholic guilt. They always put it in you know air quotes uh, that this is somehow embarrassing. It, it's actually convicting mm-hmm. when you read something that is convicting. That's a gift. Yeah, that's a spiritual work of mercy mm-hmm. that it does. So, yeah. So um, as we go through Lent, um, I was telling Father that uh, in RCIA, we had just uh, been finishing up the parts of the catechism that we were going through, and we were reading on the seventh commandment. And I was struck by one of the, you know, you read this stuff um, quite often, and especially when you're working with people uh, trying to bring them to the church. And and so some of these things kind of, uh, mm-hmm. they're not new to you, but every once in a while they hit you differently. Well, this is, I mean, just speaking of apps, right? And, and I don't know about Halo. I'm guessing, is there a charge for Halo? 
Uh, there, I think there some a free of, version. In yeah, I think so. And then uh, you know, catechism in a year that Father Mike Schmitz mm-hmm. is doing. Last year, a year uh, Bible in a year. So. Reading through the catechism is is a great gift to us. And I think a couple of years ago, we had those cards that if you wanted to pray through the Bible oh, sure. and or the catechism, you could do that in a year. And it, it is worth doing. But you were saying in yeah, your ICIA context. So, well, just for me personally, sometimes you're reading through this stuff and it can just kind of blow by, you know, because you've, you've read it before. Maybe maybe people have had the experience of hearing a gospel at mass. And it's That's like, ah, right. oh, it's the prodigal son. We've heard that. But then there's one line. That just mm-hmm. kind of jumps out at you. And the other night as we were going through um, the seventh commandment, we were talking about uh, what the catechism calls the universal destination of goods. So uh, paragraph 2402. And this is bound up with the Catholic social teaching, yeah. which is a, a very developed and broad sense of what is right and good in terms of the common good and the, the nature of what Yeah, how we should interact yeah. with people in, in yeah. society and those around us. Um, but this idea, so I was talking about property because it was in the context of the seventh commandment, which is thou shall not steal. And it was saying there's kind of these two principles when it comes to property, the universal destination of goods and private property. And so uh, in one sense, we have to hold them in tension, but in another sense, the universal destination of goods is is primary because God made creation for all people to, right. to use for their, not only for their survival, but also for their enjoyment. And so when we have uh, those of us in our midst who are poor, who are suffering, um, they have a right to the the goods of the earth um, that they need to uh, to survive and flourish. And it's up to those of us with private property um, to share it. Um, so I wanted to share one, one paragraph that was kind of uh, striking. This is 2404. It says, In his use of things, man should regard the external goods he legitimately owns, not merely as exclusive to himself, but common to others also, in the sense that they can benefit others as well as himself. The ownership of any property makes it holder a steward of providence with the task of making it fruitful and communicating its benefits to others, first of all, his family. So for me as the father of a, mm-hmm. of a family, the property that I own is first of all to make sure that my family has what they need to survive and flourish. And then after that, anything that's left over, my first question should be, are those around me taken care of? And then... Any people that God brings into my sphere, are they taken care of? And then I can enjoy what's left over. And so when you say flourish, right, survive and flourish, I think some of us think that to flourish, I need to have a third home. Oh, sure. Right? Uh, (laughs) The definition could be. Yeah. So, I mean, there is a sense in which I don't think before the 20th century, people had an idea that everybody would be able to have everything mm-hmm. uh, in the West, that yeah. we have that assumption. And and so I think the definition of flourish in that quote is not what we would imagine is. So you're basically saying uh, to survive and not just barely survive. Yeah, you're not just getting by starving. Yeah. You, have, you can have health. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was... Um, thriving, uh, not just surviving, but thriving and not thriving in the sense of ostentatious living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... 
Yeah, I can't quite remember the quote, but Leo the Thirteenth basically said that you should have what you need. Uh, oh, that's right, uh, for propriety. So, if you are, let's say, a lawyer and you've got to go to court and you're expected to wear a suit in court, well, then you've got to have some suits to do your job. That's right. Um, but if you are a, an electrician. Uh, who do, isn't expected to wear a suit every day? Well, then maybe one suit for Sunday or special occasions, but then you don't fill your closet up with suits and fancy clothes. You 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 give to the poor in that way, um, and so you need to have what you need for a certain propriety of living to be able to do your work to um, to have healthy uh, relationships. Um, but then after that, and so it's, it, there's no like hard line. If people are like, "What's the dollar amount?" Well. It changes depending. Well, and, and you, the point, and I'm not sure if it's in that section of, of the catechism or not, but if I or my family are starving, for me to steal food is not, it may be a crime, but it's not a sin. Yeah, it might break the civil law, but it's not breaking God's law. Yeah, because now I may say I want lobster, <laughs> which I don't, but if we are desperate, then that universal, what's the? Universal destination, destination of, of goods. goods. The Lord wants me not to go without anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So in one sense, a, a starving person could walk into mire, grab some apples off the shelf and walk out and not break God's law. Well, and th- this is the, uh, even in the Old Testament, uh, you were not to go over the field a second time, but to leave it for the poor who would then glean yeah. from that. And so that that impulse to help those who are destitute or who are on the margins, and we might say, well, don't we have that in terms of taxation, et cetera? But all of us know that there are people, for whatever reason, they don't have the disposition, they, they don't know how to get the help they need who are really hungry. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're being deceptive, but that that sense that we have of I'm not going to be taken advantage of is not a Christian mm-hmm. yeah. stance. Yeah, that law that, that you mentioned in the Old Testament is actually the context for the story of Ruth. Right. And uh, Ruth ends up being like Jesus' ancestor. Right. Uh, so, you know, the whole family tree of Jesus was came about because of that law. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so as we look at our, our own budgets, you know, from time, you know, they're, they're, for most of us, they're always in flux. You know, things, life circumstances change. Maybe there's a raise, maybe there's a change in jobs. My wife and I kind of took up this practice of once a year, um, first of the year in January, we look at what is our income at that point, and then what is our giving? And are we increasing our giving with? the blessings that the Lord has increased us with um, so that it doesn't just become kind of this stagnant thing that we don't really think about, that we're engaged with it. it it's something that we're trying to um, make sure that we're being responsible stewards of our goods. And I know there's been times where you've preached on how are we giving to uh, the church or to the, the the local charities around us and things like that. Um, and, and- I mean, I guess on that point, uh, I want to thank many people at Church of the Resurrection who are very committed to giving. Um, not a few of the people in the parish are attempt, 
<laughs> tempting perhaps not all to resurrection, but to, to give a tithe, which is that Old Testament pattern of, of 10%. The almsgiving went beyond that, mm-hmm. right? And, and sometimes we feel like uh, the average Catholic gives about one and a half to 2% of his or her income uh, to any charitable goods and, or causes. And uh, I do think that we lose out on the grace that we can receive to really help somebody who's in need. And right now we're in the process of raising funds for the Diocesan Services Appeal. And this podcast is not about that, but there is a lot of almsgiving that happens there. Uh, It is doing the work of the Diocesan Services uh, Center, the Diocesan Center, but also helping those in Catholic charities who are in need of the kind of scaffolding, spiritual and corporal works of mercy that uh, we all need to do. And, and the, you know, the church fathers, in addition to the catechism, are very clear that uh, Clement of Alexandria, is wrote, writing in 195, says, sins are purged by alms and acts of faith. And uh, I think there's a quote in Syriac. Let me get that here. Uh, As water extinguishes fire, so almsgiving quenches sin or atones for sin. And that sense of giving to those who are in need, that's what Jesus does for us. <laughs> so, so what is the thing that's most precious to us? Obviously relationships, but what's that security that we feel? It's monetary oftentimes. So for us to, to take from what is our security to bless someone else, that's a deeply God-like move. Mm-hmm. Love is diffusive of itself. And um, what you were saying about you and Maureen discerning each year how you're able to, to give and to support, I think that's something that every couple, every individual need to do on a regular basis and say, are we able to give more? Uh, Bishop Mengeling, when I was ordained, talked about the fact that we as priests in the Diocese of Lansing are well compensated. Uh, and he's he wants us to give to the poor. Mm-hmm. And we give uh, almsgiving. We, we support the, the local parish, our own, our own parish, and then we also give to diocesan services, appeal, et cetera. And so I do think that this is an opportune time for us in this season of almsgiving along with fasting and praying to prayerfully consider how is it that we are, or how is the Lord inviting us to perhaps give more than we feel is perfectly comfortable for us. But yeah. Give sacrificially. You know, so as I was giving kind of advice to those in RCIA, I said, if you, if this is a new concept to you, um, the first step would just be to plan it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, don't worry about percentages and all that. Just choose a dollar amount that you're going to donate every week, every month, whatever the case may be, and just put it into your budget. And every week or month, that's how often you know uh, that you choose to to do it. Just have that yeah. as part of your plan, and then after a while, maybe it's a year, maybe it's six months, whatever is comfortable for you. Then you look what's one percent, and 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 bump it up to one percent, and then you go some time of that, and and gradually walk your way up. This isn't something that uh, like they had in the Old Testament where there was the um, the requirement. You know, we don't have that in the in the church where there's a required uh, a dollar amount. Um, it's just the the requirement to do it. Yeah, the precept of the church says that we are bound as faithful Catholics to support 
and to to help facilitate the work of the the local church. Mm-hmm. So that would be my advice to somebody who this is kind of new for. Um, now, if if so, this is new for somebody, but they are well off financially, starting at one percent is probably not where I would recommend that they start. Right? <laughs> sure. I mean, and not just because we because honestly. There is a sense in which we need to give sacrificially, that sense of not having everything figured out, how we're going to cover all of our expenses so that we have to live by faith. And people, I think you and Maureen have talked about the fact that you stepped out in faith at different times, and I'm not asking you to give a testimony, but others have talked about that. Giving sacrificially can be a way that God can demonstrate his blessing to us. Oh, for sure. I, and and. Another thing I think too that we is sometimes it's hard it is hard to give but it's also difficult to receive. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to put ourselves into a position where we need to where we're yeah. we're quote unquote in trouble. Um and so uh you know a lot of times I uh people I'll hear people say oh you know um God's not outdone in generosity which I believe is true but his generosity isn't always material goods. And so that's right. I, I, so, he he may want us to grow in faith because he's not seemingly answering our prayers. Yeah. So ma- you know what? Maybe uh, if you give uh, a certain dollar amount, you got to cut back on your grocery bill. Maybe not get the prime rib or whatnot. Um, it's not like the Lord's going to come back and, and and make sure that oh now you can afford the prime rib. That's um, right. So uh, I think we trust the Lord that He'll take care of us. Um, but, uh, the Lord does uh, maybe by reducing how much we have, um, we reduce our attachments to things and we rely on him just as kind of a basic. Yeah. I, I think, I think one of the questions, you know, when I've talked about, um, increasing offertory or I've talked about, um, you know, tithing, uh, I've said, you know, look at what your subscriptions are mm-hmm. to various devices, plans, etc. I mean, uh, I know some people have a bunch of online streaming services. So if you look at how much money and you compare that to what we're giving to the poor or to the church, I think we would be surprised at how, for many people, uh, the amount that is given to the church is not planned, but it's whatever's left over, or here's a five, here's a 10, here's a $20 bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas... I think for us to be intentional about it as if God is the giver of all good gifts. And that's why we give not after everything else is paid for, but we give it off the top. Yeah, Whatever, first fruits. First fruits. That's right. So um, I just had this thought, you know, uh, since we are in the DSA, um, I've, I've heard you say before, like, we want to hit our goal, but what we want more than hitting our goal is participation. Because that means everyone is engaging with the spiritual fruit of 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 giving. That's right. And so um, I think that's where I, I I think that even if you feel like you have you know you're scraping by, most of us can afford five bucks. You know. That's right. Um, and so look at uh, just yeah. I just encourage everybody look at what you have, and even if it's only five dollars offer that $5 to God. It will come back to you either in the form of material goods or in the form of spiritual goods. Well, I think that's exactly right. I mean, one of the things that that I'm excited about as we're moving into this new 
organization of the diocese is the diocese is going to be helping deaneries be more intentional about making sure that the gospel is being preached, those spiritual and corporal works of mercies are are being done. And I think uh, there is value added to economies of scale and for us to support the good work of the diocese. I'm not saying uh, the work at, at the Diocese of Lansing is infallible or perfect, but it is faithful. Mm-hmm. And I see it as value added, worth supporting, and I will support it. And some of us, who, uh, some of you who are listening, like me, are able to give more than $5. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you, Rich, that it would be wonderful if 100% of our families gave something toward the diocesan services appeal to indicate that we're grateful for Bishop Boyer's faithful leadership. Yeah. In times, frankly, that are, uh, it's controversial to be faithful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did not sit down to, to have a DSA podcast, uh, which so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of chuckling to myself, this is where it's going, but uh, if, to just give people an idea of how the money that the, the diocesan offices has spent, we had the Proposition 3 campaign last yeah. fall. And um, a lot of the like signs and things that, that were around um, against the, the proposal were purchased by the Diocese of Lansing. That's right. Not just for the diocese, but for the whole state. Yeah. And so the money that people gave to DSA actually helped to try to spread the word against this evil proposal. And, and, and Bishop and the cabinet uh, and the staff down at the diocese is, I think, being very prayerful and intentional about pursuing forming missionary disciples mm-hmm. who love the Lord well, preach the good news, and also give alms and yeah. Do all of those spiritual and corporate works of mercy, and and as we do our budgets, we just went got through our budgeting process. Um, it's really rooted in prayer. Uh, as we're as each department is is asked to make their budget to propose, we're encouraged to do so in a spirit of prayer. So it's like yeah. take your budget to prayer, ask God what He wants you to do in the next year, and then form a budget out of that. And so we really do have this spirit, especially I'm really appreciative of our financial office downtown. No, it's true. It's very it's faithful. Very, it's, yeah. it's not merely about let's sharpen the pencil. No. It's we want to help mm-hmm. further the kingdom. And and not to just brag, but I think compared to a lot of other dioceses in the country, we are blessed with people in our financial offices that really care about the mission. And, and that's really kind of their goal is how, right. do we, how do we govern the They're goods? using their gifts for that mm-hmm. purpose. Yeah. And that's frankly what every person within the church is called to do, mm-hmm. is to discern their gifts and use them for the building up of the kingdom of God and the salvation of souls. So I, we didn't set out to have this be a DSA, but I, but I do think it's timely for us mm-hmm. uh, to, to reflect and realize that we've been given gifts and goods and they're not just for us or those called by our last name. Mm-hmm. They're for the common good yeah. as well as for our own needs. And if, if you give to DSA, then I'll be able to have a, a salary and be able to feed my family. <laughs> <laughs> so if none no. of that works. <laughs> so, so, uh, it's true. <laughs> well, and, and you are uh, one of the... the the members of the the staff that uh, attend our parish, mm-hmm. and uh, we're grateful for your 
participation as parishioners, but also for the broader mission of the, of the Diocese of Lansing. Mm-hmm. I just had to put that in there. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's good for this week. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks uh, for uh, uh, tuning in every time. If you have, uh, I know I say this as part of the conclusion, but if you have topics that you'd like to hear um, from Father and I, um, please shoot us an email and uh, let us know what you're interested in hearing about and We'd love to to engage those topics. So, um, any concluding thoughts? Well, I'm just I'm just uh, let's let's pray for each other, not just you and and me, Rich, but uh, anyone who's listening to the podcast that that we might continue well in this holy season of Lent uh, to prepare to celebrate Holy Week wisely and well and with open hearts. All right. Well, for another week, this is Rich and Father Steve. God bless. Have a great Lent. Jesus humbled himself by becoming a man and accepting death on a cross. In the following reflection from Sean O'Neill, we explore ways in which we can emulate Jesus and pursue the virtue of humility. Humility. Humility is not a popular virtue in the modern world. If you go for a job interview, essentially you're supposed to boast about what you've achieved. It's seen as a virtue, and you can see the reason for it, because if you don't tell people how brilliant you are, who will? Nevertheless, boasting in itself is not a Christian virtue. In a work situation, there is a fine line between boasting and trampling over other people to get ahead. And there is the constant temptation to attribute to yourself achievements that by rights belong to someone else. But outside of work situations, as Christians, what should be our attitude? St Paul tells us in his letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And what is that mindset? Jesus was God and humbled himself to become a man. He lowered himself and eventually submitted humbly to injustice, torture and death. He allowed himself to be treated as a criminal and accepted a criminal's fate without telling his murderers about his true exalted status and his true identity as Lord of the universe. The book of Proverbs is full of advice about humility. For example, Proverbs 3.34 He mocks proud mockers but shows favour to the humble and oppressed. Proverbs 11.2 When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 18.12 Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honour. Sometimes pride is obvious, like when someone is blowing their own trumpet, but there can also be false humility which is sometimes more subtle, like when we quietly shift the conversation to a topic where we know people are going to comment favourably on our actions or praise us for something we said. 
We can then graciously refuse any adulation with a self-deprecating shake of the head while being secretly pleased at the attention we're getting. Perhaps that's not a particularly serious form of pride, but it does show us that sometimes we are more interested in the opinions of others than of what God thinks of us. And according to sacred scripture, it's that God-centred focus that is the key to humility. St Paul's advice in chapter 12 of his letter to the Romans is, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. The key to humility is to take our identity from our status as God's sons and daughters, rather than what other people think of us. God wants us to realise that everything good that we have, every blessing, attribute, fruitful relationship, and all that we have and are come from Him. That knowledge should humble us. If there is anything admirable about us, it is only ours through God's mercy and provision. We can claim no merit to ourselves. St Francis de Sales goes further. He advises us to take pleasure in what to the world seems to be humiliation, to rejoice in our lowly state and to joyfully accept the suffering of being disdained by others. He does, of course, say that we should do whatever is reasonably within our means to avoid a bad reputation, but he also urges us to bear patiently and even happily whatever humiliations come our way. This is not the way of the world, but it is a key to progressing in the spiritual life. St Bernard of Clairvaux also reminds us that humiliation does not automatically produce humility. He says... It is the possession of a joyful and genuine humility that alone enables us to receive grace. It is not sufficient that one keep his self-possession by patience when he is humbled. To receive grace, one must embrace humiliation willingly. It must be free of compulsion or sadness. Sometimes it can be difficult to maintain a humble attitude when we consider our good deeds. In fact, if we're serious about the spiritual life, sometimes the fear of becoming proud might be a deterrent to our carrying out works of charity. But it's worth remembering that we are in a spiritual battle and the devil will tempt us with numerous lies of this kind to stop us from leading an effective and fruitful Christian life. It's impossible to maintain a humble attitude while we are focused only on ourselves and what others may think of us. The danger is that either we become frustrated by our own pride or we overcompensate by being so lowly that we lose self-confidence when relating to others just in case we commit sins of pride. An antidote to this difficulty is to focus not so much on how we are relating to others but on how we are relating to God. He is the one who defines who we really are. And if we begin to rely more and more on what he thinks of us, we also begin to enter into freedom without trying to compel ourselves to act in what appear to be humble ways but are in fact artificial modes of behaviour. And who does God tell us that we are? He tells us that we are beloved sons and daughters. But that in itself is not a source of pride. 
Our sonship and daughterhood themselves are pure gift. We are adopted children of the Father because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, not because of any merit of ours. So even the fact that we have real exalted status as offspring of the Master of the Universe is a cause for humility. This is the truth that Jesus talks about that will set us free free to lead the vibrant life of the Holy Spirit that he wants for us. When we focus on growing in our relationship with God through constantly pursuing a life of prayer, that's when the Lord gives us the grace to be humble, because we realise who we truly are in relation to him and who we are not. Our humility, just like all virtues, comes about as a result of grace, plus our own efforts. One of the main ways in which we can employ our efforts in the virtue of humility and make sure that we consider others of greater value than ourselves is through service. Service is the way that Jesus has taught us to love our neighbour. Remember when he washed the feet of his disciples, he said, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. If Jesus, the only person who conceivably has the right to lord it over other people, humbles himself to serve, then all the more should we strive to humble ourselves and serve our neighbour. And that service should be done in such a way that we don't draw attention to the fact. Our attitude in our charitable works should be exactly what Jesus advises when he says, So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, We are unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. Let's pray and ask the Lord for the grace of the virtue of humility. Lord Jesus, you humbled yourself by becoming a man to serve and not to be served. Help us to follow your example in our love for one another. Give us the grace to live a life of humility and service just as you did and by doing so to step into our true identity as beloved sons and daughters of the Father. Amen. finish this episode with a song played and sung by Bloomfield Bluegrass, River Jordan.
this episode of Resurrection Life Podcast. Please tune in next time for more conversation, reflections, and Catholic culture. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to drop us a line to give us feedback or suggest future topics to feature, write us at podcast at corelansing.org. You can find the Church of the Resurrection online at corelansing.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.